Fun fact about me. I don't really fuck with syrup. Well, I should say, I don't fuck with syrup the way a lot of y'all fuck with syrup. Because some of y'all just drench your pancakes in syrup. Like, got the pancakes looking like a brown sponge. I like light syrup on my pancakes. Just enough to wet my beak a little. But whether you fuck with syrup heavy or you fuck with it light, like me, universally, we all fucked with Aunt Jemima. But guess what? Ain't nobody fucking with Aunt Jemima anymore. They won't have that chance. Which brings me to the word of the week. Rebrand. Quaker, the makers of Aunt Jemima, announced they will be retiring her from her fate as the kindly looking black woman on the syrup bottle that many of us have consumed for years. Before we go any further, let's tell the truth. Aunt Jemima always was, always has been, racist as fuck. Here's a little history about Aunt Jemima. Two white dudes from Kentucky developed the pancake mix, but they needed an image to sell the product. They came up with Aunt Jemima because they heard a song called Old Aunt Jemima, which was sung by slaves. They saw a blackface performer perform the song in her finest mammy drip, a bandana headband and an apron. And they went out to find a living trademark for the pancake mix. Problem is that they ran out of money. They sold it to another company who then hired Nancy Green, a former slave, to be the living trademark for the brand. Now, Miss Green went to the World's Fair in Chicago, demonstrated how to make the pancakes, served thousands of them, told stories and made these white folks who attended just fall in love with her, her bandana and her stories. And right off the bat, the company sold 50,000 orders. The entire intention behind Aunt Jemima was to present the image of a black woman as submissive, pandering, a servant. The mammy who takes care of Massa's children, cooks amazing grits, washes the clothes, and hymns happily as she does it. Over the years, Quaker has tried to de-mammy Aunt Jemima. They got rid of the bandana. Got Aunt Jemima some Ultra Sheen. Had a perm extra tight. Got her some Fashion Nova. Mm -mm. still wasn't working. But at the end of the day, this image, just like Uncle Ben's, was meant to further the stereotype that black people were buffoonish, thus dehumanizing us. Now, this is all good and well, though uh, some folks have actually, since the announcement, been buying the Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben products in bulk. I guess because someday they want to show their kids, hey, remember that time we were really, really racist? Those were the good old days. Listen, I am all for progress, knowing better, doing better, but I'm just feeling some kind of way that these brands are suddenly having these epiphanies when we been knew that shit was racist. We been knew it was wrong. I realize not everybody gets it right the first time, but the Aunt Jemima brand is 131 years old. I spot you the first 75 or so because, well, racism was pretty much the gold standard throughout most of history. Still is, but really the gold standard when Aunt Jemima was first on the scene. But once they really knew better, they didn't do anything because they lacked courage. As we're in this moment of trying to solve institutional racism, systemic racism, oppression, police brutality, what's become really apparent is just how gutless some people and corporations have been. It's exposed that most people don't have the stomach to really challenge racism when it's difficult, when everybody doesn't agree, when it could prove to be costly. People are only motivated to do the right thing when it's safe. And all that lets me know is you aren't built for the tough shit. See, I can't wait to see who's releasing statements when this shit isn't so easy when public opinion isn't in favor of these kind of gestures, when it's some pushback. I want to see who's changing brand logos then, because that's when I'll know it's real. So instead of rebranding a box, companies need to rebrand how they often live comfortably on the wrong side of history until the bandwagon finally pushes them in the opposite direction. So there is your word of the week, rebrand. All right, now let me get into today's show. And I realize that might not have been the smoothest transition, but y'all know what this is. 
My guest today is incredibly talented. He's a gifted musical artist, gifted songwriter who has written some of the biggest hits in the world for some of the biggest artists in the world. Beyonce, Rihanna, Britney Spears, whole roster full of folks that is just outrageously good. Definitely one of those dudes who when you find out he's written or produced something, you find yourself saying, damn, he wrote that too? But beyond what he contributes as a musician, like all of us, he's got a lot to say about the state of the country right now, especially since he lives in Atlanta, where Rashad Brooks was recently murdered by police. We'll definitely talk about his music, but we have to talk about this shitstorm we're living in right now. So coming up next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered, The Dream. So, you know, months ago or not even months ago, but weeks ago when we set up this interview, you know, I was hoping that the heaviness in the country had not necessarily passed because I think we need to kind of sit in this moment. But um, because you have so many great stories about the music you've done, I was thinking I was going to start there. But looking at your social media recently, as we've um, undergone trauma after trauma from Ahmaud Arbery to Breonna Taylor, yes. um, now to George Floyd. I mean, you have really been very vocal. This is, this is not to suggest you haven't always been vocal, but right. especially now you have been uh, vocal about what's happened um, to black people in this country at the hands of the police. You're in Atlanta. Obviously, there was yeah. um, an incident, a murder that just took place there involving another unarmed black man. Um so what's your mood kind of like these days? Because I'm just looking at your uh, a lot of your posts and you really seem to, this seems to be resonating with you in a very deep and emotional way. Wow. Um, so many, so many vantage points, man. Um, I grew up with my grandfather who was born in 32 in the middle of the Great Depression. He grew up in Hawkinsville, Georgia. It's not a very subtle place, you know, from his time being there. So I heard all those stories. So you hear all the stories when we do homecomings for, for his church that was there. We drive down and I remember cleaning off the graves of my ancestors, hearing stories and all of the stories that were never like really good. It may, may, have, been one, may have been one or two good stories. And then there's those 30 that are just horrible. And you're, and you're looking across at, at these crates that, that still have cotton on them, you know, that are there like rusting and still this cotton. and you, and you and this is like me five and six years old, like looking at this stuff, like this still is still here. I haven't even cleaned it up or haven't, you know, it's not really um, taking this totality on me at the moment if, when I'm five. But as I started to grow and start to understand, I started to really realize who I was and what, you know, what I looked like to this country outside of myself, you know. So you don't ever really have that kid like idea of just playing and it's fun and it's cool and you get to just enjoy certain things and you know I look at my kids a lot now and I just cry because you to try to protect their innocence you know in a way and I know you're talking about my social media and, and yeah I'm really emotional about it especially because there's two jobs one is the black man who I started work early my mom passed at 15 my grandfather ended up passing when I was when I was 19 so I've kind of been I had to like Hey, man, you got to get it together. In, in one sense, there's that guy. And then there's the socially responsible guy that's a singer and a songwriter. You have to, you know, like, I'm not really good for the for how things look, the politics of it, or putting something shiny on something. I just try to shoot straight and tell it how it is. Um, and so for me, I have this kind of double generation idea of things because I grew up with this old guy and because I'm connected to the younger kids that, it's not that I don't understand most of the times. Sometimes I'm just thinking to myself, they tried that. We got to figure out a different different way. I've heard these stories. I saw that. I saw that burned. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. And our own disconnect with the idea that none of us know anything. No, I got the idea. I got the idea. And I'm like, well, at least in the 60s, there was one idea. And I, I would agree with that. There is a disconnect. I've talked about this a lot lately as I've been moderating a lot of conversations about race and police brutality, what black people need to do now, everything along those lines. 
I tell people, please go back and look at the Montgomery bus boycott. Go back and look at it. Understand the dynamics of why it worked. Realize it took them two years, okay, that this was not, this is not me. I'm not shitting on the blackout day because sometimes you need something using today's technology to at least get people to say, like, we need to start thinking about bigger movements. Right. But understand that any meaningful change we've ever had in this country has been long sustained resistance. It has not been one day. It has not been a couple of weeks. It has been long sustained resistance where people have to decide what's worth it. What are the stakes? That's what it boils down to. That's it. So we got film. I swear I put boycotting him. I think it's like, yo, boycotts work, bro. Like, I don't know if y'all understand. When you just say I'm not doing it, it's going to be hard. And I get this thing of, oh, man, you a celebrity. You don't get it. I'm like, I get it the most. Are you serious? Like, they see me. Oh, they try to shut me down, period. They don't want it to work. As soon as I walk in, no. I, I literally have left out the house. I put a hoodie on for the simple fact that don't you judge nobody that looks like me because I got this hoodie on only to find out like, Oh, he owns that whole thing over there. Like we had no idea. Yeah. So the next brother that comes, they won't look at you crazy or you, you won't get into a, a scuffle or anything or, or some type of, you know, just that feeling when you get, if you go to the car lot and you're black for the first time and you get there and they just look past you, the overall scope of it is, Changing all of these little things matter. They matter because you're talking about trying to at least get to a place of discourse. Like you can't, if, you, if you're not even communicating or being able to communicate, there is no discourse. There's nothing to really talk about. So you don't even get through to the people that want to change. So they're just standing on their side, just like, I, I'm not jumping in the fight. Like, no, somebody has to talk. Somebody has to fight. And yes, somebody probably has to burn down a couple of things. Like I, I'm just saying burn down the right things. Like, like just like, that's all... I'm saying be selective about what you're burning down. (laughs) So you thought that just because it's evil, it's going to go without a fight. It's going to go without a fight. No, the fight has to be um, even more, um, you know, even more pinpoint at this point because of, of there's a tiredness in people right now. Because you said we've done this so many times that people are like, wow, we really, and it feels like it's been so many stop starts and that sort of thing. No, I mean, look, uh, the history of movements, I think, is something that would serve us well to study right now. And you brought this up a second ago about building off one issue. As you as many know, civil rights was the issue, just basic civil rights. Police brutality is a perfect springboard to address other things, because if we see some success here in breaking this system, uh, breaking this design system, maybe that will translate um, to other things. What is the mood right now in Atlanta? Um, Rashard Brooks, uh, as we're taping this, that just happened, as I mentioned, um, toward the top of our discussion. Uh, unarmed black man stopped by police, fell asleep uh, in his car, uh, in a Wendy's, I believe. Um, and that, of course, happens on the heels of during the protest. You had two students who were drug out of their car and tased by the police. So we've seen a few, uh, these officers were fired, those officers involving the students were fired. So what is the move right now in Atlanta with all these very recent things happening right there in the city on top of what we're facing as a a nation? The mood is, I mean, we don't have any real trust period for, 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 for law enforcement. And that didn't come because and I'm, I'm pretty intelligent enough to say and to speak on behalf of a, of a lot of men that are exactly like me. No, there's no, we're not looking for anything. I literally go to my job, come home, do what I'm supposed to do. And I've been doing the same thing for 22 years. Like it's not, it's, it, it, it has nothing to do with it. They try to kind of like frame it. And I'm, I'm, I'm just creating the whole like thing of it. They try to frame it as, oh, this is the type of guy. Like anytime anything comes up, I tell my wife all the time. This is the type of guy we're dealing with. No, these are the type of human beings you're dealing with. And all human beings have whatever in their normal course of the day doing whatever it is that they're doing. Dying because of whatever that is is probably never the answer to none of these things. I don't understand why they even come up. 
oh, well, you know, in, in this instance, he got in a fight in college. Like, nobody cares about all of that stuff. Like, those are things we did just growing up as kids. Like, whether you're white, black, it doesn't matter what it is. It's immediately, that guy's a criminal. Like, how? How do you know? You mean he plays a criminal on a TV show? Or he's like, no, he's a criminal in real life. I just know it. That's the idea looking into black men, black women, when you, like, there's something criminal going on. Not against us. So our mood here, to be completely honest with you, we're trying to figure out if the cultures outside of the black cultures understand what they're doing. You're almost forcing us into a space where I can't believe that many non-thinkers could exist in the idea to say, okay, well, if you leave a person or a human being or even an animal without an outlet, they're probably going to just destroy everything. So it's, it, you don't really get it. It doesn't even work in their favor to be this way, which is why America never lived up to the dream that they wanted it to live up to, because literally it's being held back by them. We're still talking about skin color at this point, even after watching Star Wars and shit. Like, I can't even believe it. You, you've seen all of these things that have opened up your mind to a whole galaxy. We know that there's. Uh, galaxies across galaxies and the Milky Way isn't the only one I just read earlier um, yesterday that um, there could be significant life form that actually is intelligent enough to communicate with each other. We may know, we may never know. And I'm reading these things at the same time thinking, we this fucking stupid. This dumb as shit. Dumb is definitely a word for it, but it's also real intentional because absolutely, unfortunately, yeah, we have not overcome our origin we have not overcome the original sin of slavery. And um, because we built our ourselves into a superpower based off the buying and selling of human beings, we've never been able to reconcile that, nor we've had some efforts in trying to reconcile that, but never that. And because we've stayed locked in that place, and even though some things have changed, technology's changed, obviously we gained civil rights, but when you think about it, we haven't really even had those that that long. Um, But there's a decided um, purposeful suppression and oppression happening in this country has been happening for hundreds of years because there is profit to be gained by it. Right. You know, the more the competition that you can suppress, eliminate. Well, I mean, especially if you are looking at these demographics and you see that this world is changing you're going to rely on old systems that have done a really good job of making sure that you never have to consider other people or marginalized groups to be equal. That's it. You know, equality, equality would be really easy to embrace for a lot of people if they didn't always see it or some people see it as oppression. It would be so much easier to embrace. But unfortunately, there the majority equates the two. Um, you know, you 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 just talked about, you know, we're still at this point. One of the interesting tweets that you had is that you talked about conversations. You were alluding to conversations that you've been having with white people lately. Know a lot of black people listening. We like in the last couple of weeks, I ain't never had so many white people try to uh, engage <laughs> me about racial conversations in my life. And I'm like, okay, every day I can't, I got to have the white folks happy hour to be like, okay, what do we learn about race today, boys and girls? <laughs> Yo, they have been coming at you and you, uh, you talked about this. What does, what have those conversations for you been like with white people in this Some moment? Some of them just straight harsh. I can't even lie. Like, I'm like, you calling me about this? Are you, are you being harsh with them? You're the harsh Absolutely. Harsher. Okay. Because I know in a way they're trying to fill it out to see, like, uh, what kind of black man am I dealing with? Because first they have to know which kind of guy they're dealing with. Are they dealing with Malcolm and Martin, black guy? Or are they dealing with, uh, hey, man, I'm just trying to get mine. And so once they figure out they're dealing with Malcolm and Martin dream, then it's the back. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, man, I've had to correct so much shit. Like, just. Uh, and it's not like I don't walk around being myself all the time. Like it's, it's shining out of me. Like it's, it's like, and it, it doesn't say put your shit down or no, we don't fuck with y'all or you shouldn't fuck with your own shit. What I'm saying is uh, black is beautiful. I think I have to say that I have to feel like I am somebody overly because of what's happened to, to my ancestors. Like I have to 
now carry a real sense of pride. And, and I, I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and there was uh, something else that was mentioned by a colleague of mine. And I forget exactly which one to mention because it was like five of us on Zoom. And it was the idea that when I show confidence, then it's the cocky, arrogant dream. When a white man say he's confident, he's just confident. I can't be, woo, when that's what you need me to be. You know I deserve to be that way. You know Puff deserves to be that way. Like, we have to. I need, yeah, I need an extra gold chain. I'm sorry, I need, I have to have it. I got to have it. He's like, what does it do? It's not doing anything. Yeah, so says the person who's already had all these things. And they just want to move on. And I'm like, what you, oh, you thought you was going somewhere without us. Like, it ain't that, I don't know how many bullets they thought they made. Like, I'm, I'm, and I, now I'm being serious. I'm like, each time there was something going on in the world, you needed us. Well, you needed to build this country. You needed us. I think they're over America. I think they're trying to turn it into something else. I think they're just done with this state of like, yeah, I mean, it was cool, but, oh, it looks like America's looking a little different. America's a little bit more brown than it used to be. It's looking, I think we have to take back, go back, or just, they're the ones burning it down. We ain't doing it. They're trying to just burn it down from the inside out. So I don't know. I don't even know who the president is, to be honest. Everybody's walking around. I'm like, now I'm no rocket scientist at all, but are y'all really watching the guy? Because I hope all those spy movies are for real. Like maybe he's not as in control as we think. I'm like, I hope not. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> I hope you have a new button. I wish that were the case. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, maybe it's like, who are you working for? Like, I try to look past the idea of a riot of us burning down things and doing things to look past it for one of the first books I read was the art of war by Nicolio Machiavelli. And so for me, I'm trying to look past even where I want to stop and be emotionally inclined to have a conversation about a thing and say, no, 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 go further. Like, no, 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 go further and just keep going. And not to a point of conspiracy, but to what logically makes sense for somebody, somebody's gaining something. Because it can't be really the country just by itself. Like, my, I, have, I have white friends that don't like this discomfort, and they're not racist at all. They're just like, hey, man, <laughs> like, what can I do? <laughs> like, what you, what you want me to do, bro? Like, and I don't want them to be the one to just catch a, like, left, right real quick or two-piece. Like, I don't want them to catch two-piece for no reason and call me on the phone like, yo, man, but do they understand that I'm here? No, they don't. We don't understand. I always see you try to make us see black and white. And that's the destruction of America done by people who claim they are so American. Well, if you look at our history, unfortunately, times that feel like great progress have always been met with swift, swift backlash. I mean, to go from Barack Obama electing the first black president to Donald Trump is a is a curveball in history that unfortunately has occurred too many times. Because the result of slavery was Reconstruction. The result of Reconstruction was Jim Crow. Like, it just keeps reinventing itself. So, yes, you're right. And unfortunately, we have seen this before. Nobody's going to like anybody. Stop trying to hold hands, sing Kumbaya. Like, I get it. It's cool. It's going gonna, it's gonna to wear off, though, because we've done this so many times. The only way this culture, our culture, actually gets a hand in what we needed to. And I feel like this, and I've said this before. I'm like, while we was asking to sing Kumbaya with Martin, we should have said, hey, how about in each one of these cities, we need this amount of money, period. We ain't going to stop marching just based on the idea of religion and because you're my brother and I'm your brother because other brothers don't think that way. I have to do what you respect. What you respect is independence. We can't have independence from, from this place when with my Jewish friends, their whole culture is independent. My white friends, their whole culture is independent. But the black people in America are dependent upon this shit working right, are dependent upon you liking them this year. Or, oh, it's going to be another backlash because what, what happens if there's a, a black vice president? Like, what? We don't know what you're going to do. Like, stop. Like, so we need something else. And this is, uh, I speak to Jay-Z about this a lot. Like, I, I get it. I love people, period. But I do understand the logic and common sense idea of if we don't become independent truly, where we go and where we come up at and where we eat, um, who we shop for, what, what we buy, it's not going to matter. This is going to wait, wait it out. High five, you feel like it's cool. Six years from now, 
some more dumb shit until you get to a point where it's like, um, we're going to shut that down. We're not doing that no more for you guys. Like, well, what do you mean? We're not going to do it because you did X, Y, Z. And to bring you back to just one last point in networking, nothing happens really to you when you choke a black man out on the side of the street. Like, oh, sure. The city pays a million dollars to the family. Great. It's still, it's shit. That was probably my tax. <laughs> like, they like, ooh, we just, here you go, mom. You know, she's pacified. She's not happy. She's not really happy about it, but sometimes even us, we get elated and say, well, at least she got this out of it. Like, this ain't no fuck. People aren't lotteries. Like, like, this is all about the independence and the idea of economics, which is something we've never had, and that's the only other way to get out of this nightmare. Like, there's no there's no singing your way out of this shit. There's no taking enough bricks inside the face or enough churches being shot up. It's just not. You have to have something. You have to have something and be able to shut that shit down when some shit ain't going right. Until we do that or make a car or make some shit that actually matters it, where it's uh, moving the globe around, then it's different. Because if Jay-Z owned Amazon, it should be a little different right now. Oh, we in a pandemic. Oh, you get you choked my guy out. Mm. Nobody get no more fucking boxes. How about that? <laughs> How about you wipe your ass with your hand? <laughs> yeah. So try that shit out. <laughs> I have a thought on that. Um, I have a thought on that. We're going to uh, take a, a, a very quick break. We'll be back with more um, from the dream who preaching right now. Boy, I feel like I need to hand you a collection <laughs> plate real quick. Uh, but yeah, I have, a, I have a thought on what you just said, so I don't want to forget it. Okay. Um, but quick break and we'll be right back. That is really interesting uh, because that is obviously a form of a boycott because you're saying like, hey, if we had more economic control over our circumstances, we would be able to shut certain shit down in times of of like this where we need people to be accountable. That brings me up to something that's in the news now, uh, which is the NBA trying to decide whether or not to go back. Um, looks like they are going back, that they're going to be in a quarantine bubble in Orlando. Kyrie Irving is not with this plan. And part of the reason he's not with it is because he does not feel, and he's not just speaking for himself, but according you know, to him, it's like it, it, him and other players do not feel comfortable entertaining the masses in this environment right now. It's like, oh, okay, George Floyd was killed, Breonna Taylor killed, but let's just go back to playing basketball. Doesn't feel right to him. Getting a lot of backlash from that. What do you think, and this has been proposed, just sort of in different thought bubbles. I've seen it a lot on social media that there is some level of conversation around the idea of black athletes not playing, starting with the NBA as a way to sort of teach America a lesson about um, our value, our worth. I already tweeted about it. Yep. I, I, I tweeted the same exact thing. And the difference is, let's say with my music, right? If I stop, then I'm just stopping a voice that just mostly speaks to us anyway. Like, it's not really, you know, it's not basketball. It's not football. It's not on the level where your fan base is a lot different than what my fan base is. If I had the power, I would do it. In this case, you're just basically what Chappelle said. You're just basically like, oh, you want me to pacify the country while you try to figure out what the fuck's going on. No, I'm not helping. Let the baby cry. Let a baby cry, and at some point, you'll figure out whether you want to pick the baby up, pat it, feed it, and do whatever it is that you need to do. And, you know, there's guys that you have to think about who just got in the NBA, and they're like, man, my funds and this and that. So if we need to sit, we need to sit. You ain't seeing no fucking dunks this year. Like, it's not happening. You got to go dunk and do all – sign jerseys and do all this shit. Why, why your parents not fucking with us? Like, no, nah, it's not happening. Sorry. You know, to have your kids. The, work, the real shit is – Having a kid come to you, black or white, asking you why this shit is going on. That's what the NBA does. That's what the NFL does. It has those seven, eight, nine years. That's your change. You're not changing Trump. Trump ain't changing shit. It works for him. I get it. It's like pinky in the brain, man. He's just like, I figured this shit out. It's so fucking, like, <laughs> it's so stupid. It's dumber than it works. It's like, this is working? 
You're watching a whole party of Republicans like follow this. I'm like, this is the guy? Because I was never that guy in school. I'm not following you nowhere. Like, we now have my own idea about some shit, and that's it. I'm like, how much are they paying in these fucking jobs and Congress and shit? I'm like, seriously? <laughs> and where your fucking kids at? And that's my point. Like, all the kids not saying, hey, uh, Dad, so uh, I heard the shit you said on uh, CNN the other day uh, talking about uh, Nancy Pelosi and uh, you sound fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. no, I'm like, right. I'm like, where are your kids at? Like, because evidently, of course, they're starting them off early, but some of those kids just want to know. But if you don't put it in front, it has to be everywhere they go. The same way violence and shit was everywhere I went when I grew up on the west side of Atlanta. It was everywhere. It has to be surrounded. You can't. That's an area you're taking out. It's not about just basketball or about sports. It's a space of people that have the the most change in them. If you're over like if you're like 30 and you already got your set beliefs, it's not gonna really affect you. But if you just gave birth and you're looking at your child, black, white, whatever it is, and they're five, six years old, you have a problem when they're looking at you like, really? This the shit you fucking with? <laughs> like is this who we are? But they can't act, ask you that question if they can't see why something isn't happening over here. It's like hiding. And I just add like how they will be remembered. Like you'd be surprised at how committed people are being on the wrong side of history. Like a lot of people are very committed to this, even though oh, absolutely. they're just super committed to it. I'm like, dude, like, do you understand how you will be remembered in this moment? Like, do you know how how dumb and awful you're going to look going forward? That was always my issue with the NFL with Colin Kaepernick. It's like, do you know how bad this is going to look five years later? It wasn't even five years. It's like it's he his protest was in 2016. In four years, they look so mind numbingly dumb that it's just like. That happened in four years. So just imagine what this is going to look like 10 years from now. That's back to the first point I made. America's trying to destroy America. This thing that they, they think they're doing something to people of color. But I'm like, actually, the people of color are the only ones really fighting for the, the integrity in your country. The only ones in, in, in a mass. It's not saying that everybody, you know, um, that's not us aren't, aren't fighting for it, but in a mass, we wake up every day to even want to try to get a fucking job. That means we're talking we're talking about fighting for the integrity of this country y'all came up with. This fucking experiment. And y'all ain't figured this shit out. And y'all trying to make it just about capital, but y'all don't share the shit. So what the fuck are y'all doing? Yeah, I want to uh, pivot to the music industry real quick because I noticed that a lot of, there was a lot of labels or a few labels that put out statements about we stand with black people, black lives matter. Erica Badu brought up, well, if y'all stand with us, then we're going to need you to release some of these masters, uh, account for some of these really awful contracts, acknowledge how you've taken Ooh. care of, or not taken care of, taken advantage of black artists from the beginning of time. W what was your reaction when you saw the music industry of all places <laughs> begin to say, hey, black people, we love you. <laughs> this is what I love. Like, if you go back in time and you just look at my shit, man, it's like, I've been talking about this same shit since forever. And I've gotten in a certain type of way. Um, I couldn't get shit out, shit out, because all of my people I fuck with that look like me. So you can't just, oh, we're going to get rid of like, mm -mm. I stayed right inside my coach and did the most I could for my fellow brethren. And it didn't mean that I'm not doing something outside of that. But I understood my loyalty to what it was. It's like, this is my loyalty. This is my fam. These are my these are my people because when all the other shit go, they can't wait to kick your ass out of it and be like, oh cool, bye, we'll holler at you later. But I've already discussed this. Um, one of my biggest moments was I was with a certain label, and I'm not gonna call them out because everybody at that label aren't are bad people, and they weren't at the time. There was one specific individual, um, and this was right when Jay was starting title. So like, let me offer this motherfucking label right now. Give me my masters, which they did. Uh, and that was the fight. The fight was, and Jay knows about it. And I, and I told him, I was like, yo, niggas just don't want, it, want you to do this, period, for whatever reason, working against that particular thing. So what Erica Badu was saying, this is something I did like probably over like eight years ago, whereas I saw it happening. I stood my ground. And of course, my that album ended up not coming out, <laughs> you know, and whatever it was. But um, I think people got what the fuck I was saying. And they understood what I was doing. Um, it's the same with publishing, same with ownership of publishing that I've been talking about forever. Like all of these things that you have to maintain and keep. 
you know, because of this. And, you know, of course, a deal is a deal. So I can't speak all the way across the board because I don't know what money somebody took for whatever particular thing or what they were dealing with in their families in order to, you know, it's the same way I feel about college, you know, college football. Like, I, I don't know. If you take the money on the table on your way into college, first of all, if they working you that hard, you need to get paid anyway. I don't, if my kid go to work for anybody, I don't care if they're 14. You better hand them their money or I'm going to come get it. It's real simple. So I stand with that. I stand with what Erica Badu, you know, said. And where where are they? What's the what's the what's the problem? Is still what we just said before this. It's independent um, ownership and, and economics. Like it's real simple. It's not a this ain't a black and white fight. This is I got something, and if you want it, you need to fucking act right. Would you like to see, much like we were just talking about a minute ago in sports and Kyrie Irving in the NBA, would you like to see something, a movement happen in the, the music industry with black artists? Or do you feel like that movement is happening? But Or would you like to see like an increased, you know, some kind of movement to make these record companies uh, more accountable for not just past behavior, but present behavior? Do you think that's possible in this industry that black artists dominate? Absolutely. There's certain things I'm working on that I can't mention because you know what happened when you mention it. Everybody tried to beat you to the punch of it and then block you and cut you off from the shit happening. So I'm working on something that actually may, that get, grants a certain type of independence um, for a certain thing. I'm not going to say it, but um, there's something that can be done. It's, it's, un, it's fortunate and unfortunate how hip hop blew up how it really started, what really caught our attention were the NWAs, the public enemies, like when it was like, oh, holy shit, like they can say something and it resonates with the people for real. And then she got ignorant. And so like all things, when things don't have messages and it doesn't mean that everything must have a thing and a message to it. When you have a complete <laughs> idea of, this, of, of my fellow Young brothers only speaking about the exact same thing and not knowing that. And it doesn't mean like, oh, cool, that's your fan base, cool. But off record, can we have a conversation about it? You can't have a conversation? I don't understand that shit. That shit is like drives me fucking nuts. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And my uncle calls me like, hey, what the hell wrong with these people? These niggas don't know nothing. I'm like, yeah, I know they don't know nothing. But you got to give them some time, you know, shit different. He's like, nigga, shit ain't different. It's the same shit. It's like, it's just too many of y'all going in 90 different directions. And y'all need to figure out one direction to go with like, and so it doesn't matter what Teddy P was singing about. Teddy P still knew what the fuck was up. Doesn't matter what Prince is, if he's singing about Nikki. Prince knew what the fuck was up. Hey, that's why he put the slave on his cheek, right? He knew. He knew what the fuck. He's like, this nigga sexy as fuck. He's like, nah, nigga. Like, I'm still a nigga. <laughs> like, trying to let y'all motherfuckers know. I know I got these girls around here and shit, but I'm trying to tell you. And so I can't. I, can't, I, I don't know. That's the part that you're asking me about. They have to answer that question for themselves if they even care about it. Because I think we made it so much about instant gratification and not only like from a public viewing point um, of the aesthetics of what it looks like and, and how many follows and likes and all the, all, all the shit that you get. I think it's also, you think tomorrow's not coming. Well, like I used to always say, you know, saving money ain't that cool shit. Buy all that shit if you want to. Don't fuck around and live a long time. Because you got to be working that same way when you fucking 60. You'll be mad as shit. <laughs> like, God damn, I thought I was going to die at 30. Like, pop. Like, nah, nigga. Your shit, you old as fuck. You old ass rapping ass nigga. You old as fuck. You're like, shit, I should have said some other shit. I could have went on some podcasts and shit, talk about some shit. Got, got a new fan base. I fucked the whole shit up. Like, yes, you did. Don't fuck around and be still living. So that's the point. Like, it's like, I know I'm making it making it uh, making it more hilarious than it is but it's literally that point like don't I, but i'm picking up what you're putting down though i'm picking up what you're putting down really yeah yeah that's the same shit to keep motherfuckers from voting and as much as a conspiracy theorist i am about voting i still took my black ass down to the vote i'm like just because i don't believe it if there's a brother that looks like me and he's standing in line all right nigga i'm gonna go down there and fucking vote. cool I'm going to stand out here six feet away from whoever the fuck, even though we probably all got coronavirus. Like, cool, I'm going to do the shit. Fuck it. Because you believe it, I'm going to do it. It ain't hurting nothing. I got the time. I'm going to go down here and fucking vote. Let's go fucking vote. Whether you believe it or not, your mama believe it. Just vote for her. Right. Or vote for the people who died for you to do it. I mean, honestly. They, they... Just, just that. Like, hey, man, you know, niggas used to, niggas died. The Wilmington Massacre. 
It's the same thing. Like they wouldn't even let them in to vote. And all those blacks had built this whole sustaining government piece of a of a thing that would have changed even us today. Still got blocked out. Votes got changed. And I forget the guy's name, but he rolled in there. Horses killed all the black people the next day. Killed them. Because that's what happens. It's like when people saying, hey, why Jay-Z ain't down here marching if he's on? I was like, nigga, they shot Martin Luther King. You want yo, you want a billion, you want one of the only niggas that can really like touch those type of buttons up there. And that's how I know it's a problem. I'm like, you want him here on the ground with you. I was like, yeah, he'll go down there when Trump's down there too. When they down, when they down there together, they're cool. That's when they need to be there. I'll call these niggas and tell them don't go personally. No, ain't nobody going. We got it. We cool. These kids, my niggas from the block, they got it. Don't you ever come down. I don't want to ever see nothing, never. Unless there's the it's the it's a parade. I don't need to see you at no protest. People get shot at protests. Well, I remember for a long time when Obama was in office, it was like a real fear when you talk to a lot of black people, but particularly black people of a certain age who lived through Martin Luther King Jr. They would say all the time that their greatest fear was that he was gonna get assassinated. Yep. And yeah, I mean it was it was some um it was definitely some real shit. But look, as I, I commonly like to say about voting, uh and I understand the apathy and for that matter given what we saw happen in Georgia recently. Mm-hmm. Thank you for voting. I'm happy you were I able did. I'm happy you were able to vote number 1. Yes. because of everything that was happening there, but people got to remember if if your vote didn't mean anything, why are they always trying to take it? Why are they willing to kill you for it? Right? Think about that. It must be important because they are always trying to convince you not to do it, <laughs> okay? Period. Put every old black in there so that you won't do it. So that means it means something really big, okay? You could change systems and probably, yeah, my, my, my second favorite sentence of, of beyond if your vote didn't mean anything, they wouldn't try to take it. My second favorite sentence to tell people in 2020, district attorney is an elected position. It's an elected position. Remember that. You don't have to have this district attorney, right? You don't. Most of them run unopposed. Um, I do actually have some fun questions for you, believe it or not. We, we, we're trying to solve racism. We'll get there. You're, you're on the right track. We'll get there. We'll, we'll solve it. Okay. But a few right. fun okay. questions. Um, unfortunately, if not for COVID, I'm sure this would have been my song of the summer, uh, which is the Savage Remix by Beyonce. <laughs> that probably would have been my song of the summer if we were off punishment. But we have we're not we're we're we got our TV privileges back. We just waiting to be able to go out and sit on the porch, right? So right, right. You have a writing credit, obviously, on Savage Remix. Yes. Tell me your line was, if you don't jump to put jeans on. You don't feel my pain. That wasn't your line, man. I wish, man. Oh. I wish that was my line, bro. I wish that was my line. I wish that was my line. No, me, it's so funny though, right? So, man, that's my sister, by the way, right? So sometimes I'll send B something and the baby the baby will be there. Either one of them. Like, it's just, they're there. And she she has, I almost have to send a precursor of, this may have cursing in it. No, so you said they're not, you know. not safe for work. <laughs> right, so not safe for work. So she's literally saying, um, let me know so I don't have to, oh, good, 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 cut, cut it up. Which is a wonderful mother characteristic. Yeah, mine's is a little bit different. I can't even lie. Like, I'm like, it's music. It's art. You know, it's so funny that you said that because sometimes I'm in those modes, man. I'm completely ratchet, as you can tell from my own shit. Um, and then some modes, it just depends on um, when she's like, "Hey, turn all the way." I need that. I need that, that. That that guy. I need that guy from Atlanta. I need. I need him to go food. Like I'm like, you. You want the food? Like. I get to go, go. It's like, yeah, yeah, there you go. So, of course, when I heard, it's a couple lines in there. I'm like, seriously? You got to let me know when I can use the juice, bro. Like, I got to know when I can go, <laughs> you know? And so, no, that's not my line. That's not your line. All great- right, were you, were you at least, I don't argue with these bitches, y'all just pay my price. Was that your line? Was that? <laughs> no. <laughs> don't argue. No. Nope. Please just pay my price. No, not yours either. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. Nope. Mm-mm. The line you said before that is my favorite line. It's, it's really incredible. Because every woman felt that on a spiritual level. We like absolutely, and and that's actually that's probably why it's my favorite line. That's the shit I'd be tapped into. And usually somebody's asking me how the fuck could I write that? I'm not jumping to put on shit. So 
And I'm like, it's just my affinity and, and my affection for the woman themselves and the things they go through and how they put their day together and get to do certain shit. And I, I tell my, my, my girl all the time, like, man, if I was a woman, I'd be unstoppable. Like, it would be, it could be absolutely not. I was like, y'all get to be anything. It's not because men can't. It's because for me, it's just more so upbringing. And in that time, you know, time's going to change and things will get to a, to a certain place. But in my time, we, hey, boys, do this. And then you do this. And you do this thing. You, I come with presets. So I'm just looking at it from an idea like, wow, this is crazy. Which is why I'm doing fashion right now. I'm going to make these wedding gowns. I'm going to make that other shit that I'm never going to wear. But I know what it's supposed to look like. Like, that's just, the woman to me is just like, God. You've been behind so many female anthems as everybody uh, obviously has has credited you for and told you. I mean, for you to mm -hmm. be, I mean, single ladies like that. <laughs> you was yeah, about to start oh, yeah. a revolution with single ladies. Man. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I almost got like I almost got assassinated for even doing for, for even writing that song. I was in Houston on I was in Houston on the radio show, and this guy called in. I'm thinking he's sending like send praises about one of my songs on my album. He's like, "Yo, man, I just want to talk to Dream that you know I'm a big fan, bro, and everything. But why in the hell, why in the hell did you tell these girls, man, that we got to put a ring on it, man? Why? The fellas were not happy with you after that. They were so mad. Oh man, they were so mad at me about that one line it's like man come on man i said i ain't say you had to follow through <laughs> i just gave you a suggestion this is a suggestion this is a suggestion and it's an engagement everybody like a party just have a party now um a couple is it true questions i have for you is it uh -oh. true you originally wrote umbrella for britney spears that is true that actually. is true that is true yep did she ever yeah, reach out and say, what was I thinking? <laughs> I know it wasn't her it, decision. The, cra the craziest thing is it never even made it to her ears. So it just kind of got held up in the A&R's making a decision like, eh, I don't know. And it's crazy how the, how the spiritual realm works, right? Because when the idea of Rihanna came up and mind you, Rihanna was, it wasn't like she was, and I had already worked with Britney in the past. So it was, it was already, you know, communication there and everything. Re was like new, you know, she was new on the, the who you're going to send records to list, you know, like nobody understood it and not, and not me, not at that point, not yet. And not because if I, if I would have got a big dose of it, of course I would have got it immediately, but it wasn't in front of my, front of my face, you know, and it wasn't in Atlanta, you know, where it was going on at. And she was, um, I, I, I would think then more or less urban. You know, she she became became this thing that she she is now, which is who she's been at her heart from the beginning. But we didn't know that, you know, from the culture, you know. So we didn't know we could even sing Rihanna songs, you know, in the first place. And then um, L.A. and my friend Karen Kwok at the time sent this. Um, well, Karen came down to Atlanta to see me, and Tricky Stewart, who who I did that record with about the record because a good friend of ours, Jazzy Faye, had played the record. I'm thinking in New York and they were like, oh, this is a Rihanna record. And so they had told me, yeah, there's just this thing like circulating, which is kind of a swell underneath it all. And they said, hey, man, I think Rihanna should do this record. And I thought literally probably 1.5 seconds and said, absolutely perfect. I was like, this is who this song is for. And that's the crazy shit about shit. Like you doing things in a universe where you just don't know. And it's like, that's who I was actually writing the song for in the first place. And you just don't even know it. Yeah. That's the great shit about music. Uh, I brought up single ladies. Is it true you wrote that shit in 17 minutes? Yes. I don't think it should take that long to write songs that are dear to you, to be honest. If you mean the shit, that shit's supposed to come out. It's like somebody trying to, you ask somebody a question, it takes them forever to come up with an answer to your question that you ask them. I need to come from your soul. I don't want to hear nothing about, well, I don't communicate that good. I don't know. I need to come from your soul into my ears. And, and you know, being honest, honest, honest about it, though, it's just, um, that's just, a, quite frankly, a gift, you know, handed down through 
through my mom and, and grandfather and just feeling and being able to be uh, in touch with certain emotions quickly and being able to express them. And so it's not even about the fast part. Like it's just, I'm just happy and grateful that I have the ability to be able to just say big things, you know, in a matter of, of minutes. And so that, I don't know where the shit comes from, to be honest. I'm, I, I do read and do, do all my shit and I definitely am in touch with myself from an emotional level, but how it comes out, I don't know. I have no idea. So along those lines, how long did it take you to write Fuck My Brains Out? <laughs> did that take 17 minutes? Yeah, you know, that's kind of, those kind of songs write themselves, baby. You know what I'm saying? I ain't even got to write that thing. Is it true you have nine kids, man? Nine? Yes, it is. Nine? Yeah. You got a whole softball team. <laughs> yes. Like, no, I grew up by myself uh, mainly. And people ask me this, right? And they're like, I don't get it. I was like, yeah, well, when you have people around, you probably wouldn't get it. But when you kind of by yourself and you're sitting there like, oh, shit, what to do today? And you got to play with your friend across the street who, you know, sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not, <laughs> especially not emotionally. Um, it was just a, it was just different, especially once my mom passed. Um, the closeness of what, you know, family is, especially um, when it gets to your blood relatives and just people that know you, you know, know who you are, know what you're about. And, you know, of course, you're not alone, even if you got, if you only have four, you know, for them, not for me, like more so I didn't want them to be in this world, not being able to make a phone call. All right, uh, I play a game with all my guests before I let them off this podcast. So before I let you go, got a game called This or That. Two choices. You pick one. Okay. All right. So. All shit. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. All shit is right. <laughs> all shit is right. All right. Uh, first one: Sex Tape Volume One, Two, or Three, or Sex Tape Volume Four. That's not right. I know. It's not right. That's why I asked you. <laughs> Volume four. Volume four. Okay. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't expect you to say that, but way to make a decision to stick by it. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, better rapper, Beyonce or Rihanna? Ooh. B. Ree is the best rapper. B. Ree. Ever. <laughs> Best rappers ever, best rapping females I know my entire life. They like conjoined, like they're like just one thing. It's like B Re Universe. <laughs> actually, gave, actually gave me an idea. Appreciate that. Okay, actually. alrighty, all good. Just let, just have me at the listening party. That's all I care about. <laughs> all no, okay, cool. That's Perfect. all I need. That works. Um, I'm gonna let you skate on that one. I shouldn't. Let me skate. Let you gotta let me I, skate. I'm gonna, on that. I'm gonna let you live. I'm gonna let you Those live. Those are my like. I know those and are girls. I, truly, I know. And I truly don't have a favorite in that category. Like they both know what they do. I guess uh, if if I did, I could slightly get off of here and then call the other one first. Or send something <laughs> to like, hey, just sent you something. Hope you like it. Then the shit come out later. They're like, oh, that's why. By the way, one of my favorite things on social media is when Rihanna just just crushes anybody that asks her about when her next album. The best shit ever, right? The best shit. <laughs> She'll be like, so well, here's what you're gonna do. Buy this Finney and shut the fuck up. Like that's her. That's her generally her response. <laughs> generally her response. I'm like, yes, like, I'm, bitch. I'm over here trying to save the world. You right. over here and you worry about an like, album? I got better shit to do. I'm like, get them, girl. Get them. Till we act right, we don't deserve another one. Till we, we don't act right, deserve. we don't even deserve. Yeah, yeah, you right. Yeah, y'all don't even deserve. But, all right, uh, John Coltrane or Miles Davis? Coltrane. I know that's your guy. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah. L.A. Reid and Babyface or Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. <laughs> you can't yeah. fade out on this one. I already gave LA, you one. L.A. Reid and Babyface. Okay. I figured you'd go with home team. Uh, yeah. Jagged Edge or 112? Jagged Edge. <laughs> Last one. It says you, you're a musical genius. You are the perfect person to settle what I believe is an ongoing debate. I also believe this is a question that decides blackness. No pressure. Um, <laughs> thriller or off the wall? Off the wall. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Off the wall. Dream is blackity black, black. <laughs> <laughs> Living off 
Come on, man. Oh, man. I See? am validated. I may retire that question because you answered it the correct way. It's you know, off the wall. It's definitely off the wall. Like, like stop playing. Yeah, that's like when people tell me some great, and this definitely not me comparing myself to Michael at all. They're like, man, your love versus money was like, man, way better than love. Hey, and I'm just like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not. Like, no. Nah. Love versus money just had more people on it that you probably knew. And I get it. It's like, uh, star power. Like, great, hey, great. It was better than love, hate. It's okay, though. I get what you're saying. So you could be objective about your own. Like, I'm sure you asked us a, a lot about, like, what, what your best album was, this and that, but how do you rank them? Like, you can be objective enough to do your own work that way, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, period. I think it's a songwriter thing because we can't really afford to get caught up in our own bullshit about anything. Like, it's, we fix shit, we go back, we get told to go back, we have no problem with you. You lose that thing, a, like, a long time ago. Like, it's just, if Be Safe do a hook 30, thousand times it doesn't mean the first twenty nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine wasn't good it meant that's not the one that she wants to sing and so you know that so you object you can be objective about the, the 25th one you did if you want to you're just wasting time like she knows what she wants so go get the fucking hook right so it's the same way with my with, with my records um anything i i think fancy is my is, is my best record like it's just it'll be that way they're like until i beat it and i'll let you know when i beat it I'm like, oh yeah, I, ooh, I smoke that shit. That shit's done. So what? One of my best works is probably, other than Love Hate, was 1977. Not even Love versus Money, which is probably Love versus Money was probably like third on that list. Yeah. Well, look, Dream. Thank you for spending so much time with me. You did not have to do this. I really appreciate it. It's been a no, joy talking to. to you, man. Like it really has. Um, this is definitely a highlight of the week. I'm here anytime. Anytime you want me to just keep talking and doing run, run along sentences, I'm here. Okay. But you gave the people a, a lot of inspiration. You know, again, it's a heavy time for a lot of people. So uh, thank you for putting a lot of issues in, in perspective and sharing your perspective um, at this time. Hopefully the next conversation we have, we will not have to do an, a complete autopsy on racism in America. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully the next time, like Chappelle said, it won't be rat a tat 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 Hopefully it won't be that way. So you take care. Um, Dream's getting out of here. We still got a little more to go. Uh, my Jamel Hill is unbothered. Listeners know what's coming next. Fuck it, I'm bothered. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> ever take your car into the mechanic ask them to do something basic and they come back with some absurd bill because they decided to go snooping around under the hood uh, sir i asked you to fix my tail light i ain't say shit about my carburetor or the fuel pump mind your business well twitter kind of did the same thing and fuck it i am by third so somebody at twitter decided it would be a good idea to add voice tweets for who? For what? I barely want to read some of these tweets. What the hell would make Twitter think people want to actually listen to folks saying the same dumb shit they type? Can you imagine what Twitter is going to look like? Sorry, sound like during that after dark Twitter time, the filth. Woo child, the ghetto. The most aggravating part about all of this is that Twitter is adding a feature nobody asked for or even wanted. Meanwhile, the feature everybody wanted, they just, again, blatantly ignored. See, the feature we can all get behind is an edit button. You know how many disasters could be avoided with an edit button? You know how many good tweets have been ruined because somebody put your with no apostrophe instead of putting your with an apostrophe? I can't tell you the number of times I have dropped a fire ass tweet and had to go and delete that shit immediately because I left out a word or I misspelled some shit. It's aggravating. Twitter would have been the sole bright spot of 2020 had they just added the edit button. But instead, they chose to add to the dumpster fire that is 2020 by adding voice tweets. Congratulations. But you know what? Now that I think about it, I'm going to join in on this. So here, I'm going to preview my first, my only, and my last voice tweet. 
stay unbothered. Jamel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify and Unbothered Inc. From Unbothered Inc., Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent and Evan Dick is our executive producer. From Spotify, executive producer is Erica Clark and project manager is Jessica Dow. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. <laughs>